You're going to episode nine tonight comes out. Yeah, that's right. That's probably right. Whoa, what is happening? No, reject. Decline. My phone is blowing up. Could you guys hear any of that? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Welcome to Podcast X episode 18. Um, I am Ben Kendrick. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Keys. Hey, I'm back. Wait, wait, I have a question. Who has yes. two thumbs and can clean up a child's vomit while holding a baby that's vomiting while their partner <laughs> can vomit into a Costco-sized large Ziploc bag on the couch beside them? This guy. That's pretty I'm impressive. Back. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should say that, yeah, one of the reasons that we were delayed in uh, a few podcast episodes and we've taken a little bit of time off is because Rob Keyes was just, him and his family were just like straight up throwing up for like two weeks, basically, just nonstop, all simultaneously. Um, And I could not bear to drag drag him on a podcast as much fun as we have doing these. Um, Couldn't even speak uh, anyways, no throat, but we're back. So we're back now. Um, you guys can expect us us back on a regular schedule again. We who knows? We'll take another break at some point, probably. But um, yeah, we just we all kind of had a few different things going on. Kofi was on vacation um, on a road trip with his family, and then Rob was sick, and like I had some. Don't put me in your mess. I did two motherfucking live shows when I was on the road. True, <laughs> Kofi. Kofi went. It's true. Kofi was, it's true. Kofi would have come on. Um, the we. I'm mainly just blaming Rob. So. Um, but yeah, with special guest Kofi Outlaws here as well. Yeah, I was thinking about it after our pre-conversation and yeah, no, I have been in these situations before, but, um, barfing is, you, I mean, you face that like a true Jedi knight, but when you get to <laughs> shit, when you get to shit barfing, shub barfing is what the Jedi <laughs> masters must deal with. And yes, oh. I have, I have done tuck and rolls like a fucking circus all day. <laughs> Circa Soleil, Circa de Soleil act <laughs> so that, you know, one of us could puke in a sink and somebody could had to go and, you know, projectile shit onto the toilet and then oh, do that. Cool. And, and you guys know, I lived in like a 400 square foot apartment with my that's wife true. in New York. Yeah, that's right. true. Yeah, yeah. So we, we often joke about how there's things couples don't usually talk about that we openly talk about because <laughs> when you're in a 400 square foot apartment in New York City facing yeah. New York City germs, you learn everything about each other over the years. Yeah. Like And like, yeah, there are no secrets anymore. But yeah, yeah no, I've, I've done the family. We have two bathrooms here and we've done two bathrooms, everybody rotating. We've done a shabarfing. I wasn't factoring in the shitting part. Like no, wait, I was thinking funny. of just puking. We didn't have that. That? that. That's a whole yeah, other yeah. fucking circus act. No, we just had the, the the violent vomit. But the other part, the the X factor for us was the uh, the eye infection ear infection combo, which led to all yeah, the no, yeah. So Oof, no. Really the closest has got it was uh, thinking my son had hand, foot, and mouth disease and not figuring it out until he and I both were covered in staph infection lesions. Dude, we like, were uh, just talking about hand because I think my kiddo, so one of the reasons like I was kind of out of out of pocket for like a couple of weeks was because we think my kiddo had hand, foot, and mouth. She had like a super mild case, but um, it's just, you know, we were kind of keeping an eye on her and she was fussy and sick and 
Um, not a not exactly super. Yeah, well, I didn't have it. My kid had a, a staph infection that Jeez. was in his nose. Oh, he had a scratch in his nose that became an infection. And then you know we figured out when me and him were covered in honey, honey, honey colored and dripping, oozing sores all over us. And we went to a doctor and was like, "What's up with this hand, foot, and mouth?" And she was like, "Yeah, that's a staph infection." <laughs> and, yeah, his poor whole face was just like covered. He looked like a leper. And oh, no. anyway, long story short, there's there's a part of my knee that still is going to be like, I mean, I'm black, but like in words, but it is black. Like like somebody touched me with <laughs> the devil, like for the rest of my life, from where I had the staph infection, Man. Uh, and like another part of my leg. And that's yeah. children. Oh man, yeah. yeah. Not to keep dwelling on this whole topic here. Good start. Um, on. If, if this is the first time anybody's listening to the podcast, we don't normally talk about like you know vomiting and shitting. Yeah, I'm looking at this thing. This shit is black as hell, like a fucking old magician <laughs> got to me. Uh, <laughs> on top of it, there's like a you know international shortage of like kids or junior kids, Tylenol and Advil and. Uh, Benadryl for pink eye, everything. There's like nothing. It's, it's so it's like so hard to treat anything without getting prescriptions and seeing more doctors and more doctors. So the whole thing is a mess. But yeah, in House Outlaw, we stockpiled since the pandemic. I stockpiled in the pandemic and I still got it. I got the Benny, I got the Allegra, I got the Dimatap, and I got the Acetaminophene. Oh I got the fucking uh, Theraflu. I got like, uh, what's that stuff just for replacement? I still have my makeshift triage out there in the garage with my. Uh, Pedialyte and a whole bunch oh, of yeah. other shit. Yeah. Respiratory aids and ointments. So, yeah, I, was I that, mean, I wasn't. That I wasn't was an episode around. of. Was this an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm? Was that? Was they? Were they like stockpiling toilet paper? Is that? Or no, it was like hand sanitizer or something. Oh, we I have just, that. Yeah, I was oh, rewatching yeah. the last. Yeah, there were shortages in this house during that. Everybody's yeah. freaking out. By the time they were fighting each other over the over the things, I was ready to sell it out of my back. <laughs> like three ply, three ply bundles for a dollar. Oh, three squares man. for a buck. The uh, the topics this week, the actual topics. Um, we have some major catch up to do. It's so funny. We all got to see Black Adam like super early. For once, like Rob went to a screening, and yeah. he can, he'll talk a little bit about that later, just because The Rock was there and it's kind of a cool thing. But but we were we were like, all right, well, we'll get ahead with this podcast episode. We'll put it out the day Black Adam comes out. We'll get it like old school Screen Man Underground style where we're like timing this release with with when everybody else is going to get to see it. And then like everybody just got sick. So it's like, OK, I guess we're uh, I guess we're not doing that. But but we have Black Adam to catch up on. There's obviously been a lot of DC news in the wake of in the wake of Black Adam and its post credit scene and kind of what that what how that is affecting all kinds of stuff like Netflix TV series and and everything. Um, and we also want to talk about Andor because we're like, you know, we're a little over halfway through the season now of Andor. Um, these guys have seen a few more episodes than I have. And, uh, and yeah, we want to talk about it because people are kind of sleeping on this show. And I think the three of us are really enjoying it. So, yeah, bro, we're, we're almost through three arcs of four. We are way over halfway. Yeah. yeah halfway was five. Yeah, that's right. Or halfway was six. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're doing 12, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So anyway, we'll start off with Black Adam. We'll talk some DC news. And then we'll uh, we'll finish up with Andor. We want to talk to you guys about House of the Dragon and Rings of Power at some point. We might do that next week. 
Um, or we'll have Black Panther next week and then do, you know, House of the Dragon and stuff after that. So um, that's what you're kind of good. But here's what's really going to happen I'm going to keep watching this World Series game and cheering for the Phillies, and there's going to be some real time reactions that possibly come through here. <laughs> awesome. I think uh, that'll add a new, a new texture to the podcast. So I'm with that. I'm with that. Um, okay. Before you start. <laughs> Yeah, before you can start getting like hyped up on the Phillies, why don't you start us out by talking about what you thought of Black Adam um, as kind of the representative for DC here, and uh, and then we'll kind of unpack the news and stuff. Uh, I was a representative for DC, and then uh, then you DC saw Black decided, Adam. <laughs> no, then Black Adam came out, and the Rock started doing stuff, and then James Gunn taking over, and now every fucking film Twitter talking head is a DC expert overnight, yeah. and everybody's all building their DC, DC this, DC that. And like, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'm no any longer the DC guy I used to be back when it was like, you know, actual Snyder versus stuff in an uphill battle. But now overnight, film Twitter is now DC fans. Everybody's a DC fan. Everybody's been DCU since it was the E in there too. Um, and yeah, so... Anyway, to answer your question, I don't fucking know. It was so long ago that I saw Black Adam <laughs> and that uh, yeah. and I should probably tell you everything about it. I remember that I did not hate it at all. They did not. I wasn't prepared early because they didn't screen it here. And I, I think I said this on. Oh, that was um, weird. My yeah. Show. Yeah. I think I said it on my show, Comic Book oh. Nation. Um, yeah. Th- the only show that does it for geek culture on a consistent weekly basis. I'm just kidding. I'm just fucking focus. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it, it was like, it was like a really good two thousands movie. If I had seen black Adam in the two thousands, I'd have been like, Holy shit. DC is like, you know, next level. Um, but it, it, it was ultimately, it wasn't bad, but it was just not like great. It's kind of, I wouldn't say forgettable because some of the imagery and cinematography in it is just really good. Like people have collected those images on Twitter and that might be the best way for that, for that movie to live on because the cinema, like I said, the way it was shot and the cinematography is gorgeous. And like so many shots are just that DC iconography is, is just there. And there's a lot of fun things that I liked. Like I loved like the the black Adam Hawkman fight in uh, Amon's room. Where, like, yeah. where they're just like slicing up. It's so stupid, but so fun. And like yeah. one of my favorite DC sequences. Like I love that. I love that even more than anything. I think any one sequence I love about Shazam or anything like that, which yeah. should be more juvenile humor like that. But somehow could Black Adam topped it. Yeah. Um, that said, I mean, yeah, there's just obviously things that my brain cannot be active for to to start to think about because then the movie quickly just becomes like, a head scratching hodgepodge mess of like studio notes. Like why is the rock the only person in Kondok who doesn't have an accent? Um, <laughs> you know, like things like that. Um, the story where they captain marveled themselves with like a story where the mystery that you already know, like somehow going in that they yeah. still try to make into a mystery strangles the story because the character can't actually be the character because the quote unquote fucking mystery of the story that we all know up front is preventing him or her from actually being their full personality. Um, And so doing that in these superhero stories and it's always making it harder than it should be. Like you didn't need to do Carol Danvers as a brainwashed 
like person tell us she was brainwashed and then start the story where some fucking shit fucks up and her brainwash chip like doesn't work anymore. Right. And so she begins to yeah. act like her old self again. Like then that would have allowed us to like know her. It's a small change and things and the memories come back gradually. And oh shit, by the time she remembers, it's a twist on what we think is happening, you know? Yeah. Oh God, why am I still doing this job? Why am I not like fixing this? writing these things. Writing these things. Money? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to write them. Like yeah, I, learned yeah, yeah. Doing, I learned doing screen rant early on. Like give me a bunch of trailer park people and I'll just fix what they write. Like that's the more <laughs> fun job. Um, yeah. You know, and so like I do that now, but um, yeah, and so like Black Adam's kind of the same way. The whole mystery of him, because they did this mystery of who he actually is, which was the worst kept mystery because they told you in the PR run exactly what they were doing with that secret, which is very confusing. But it it was just it it strangleholded the movie from him being able to kind of define himself. He just had to be this weird blank slate for like most of the movie, so you couldn't actually tell. Like, is this guy bad? Is this guy good? He was just confused caveman waking up from like long slumber from yeah. for most of the movie, which I think is criminal because I think The Rock has personality galore and charisma. And I yeah. think one of the most fun things about Black Adam and modern DC comics is the fact that he is kind of Namor-esque. He is very, he has a lot of personality, even in that arrogance and kind of just the way he carries himself as a leader. Um, he, he's one of the more personality heavy characters in like the, the modern justice league or justice league universe. So I think those things kind of drop the ball on handling the central character. Um, even just like the whole thing, like it didn't match the trailers where you heard like Dr. Fate being like black Adam, you can do in like the whole movie, then hinging on the whole Iron Man retread of him being like, What's your name? And then just be yeah. like, uh, I am Black Adam. Um, but uh, like, again, those things just were kind of misjudged and misconceived. But it's nothing that can't be smoothed out easily in a sequel. And I don't think Kwame Colette Sarah was the man to do a blockbuster of this size. I love his genre stuff. Like, give him a Liam Neeson movie, B movie, and let him run wild. But or the shallows or something, you know, that he does. He makes great B like genre B movies. But yeah, I his think, horror movies and stuff have been good, like the Orphan, yeah, the Orphan, the, yeah. Orphan, and House of Wax. Did he do? Um, I can't oh, remember if he did House of Wax. He did House of Wax. Right. Yep. No, you're right. Um, he did the so, shallows too. Well, I guess he produced the shallows. Yeah. Sorry, uh, did he? Did he not direct it? I think he only produced that one. But <sighs> I mean, still, props. Right. I love that movie. That's a good movie. Yeah, but um, like, so he's solid in what he does, but this was a little bit beyond him, I think. Yeah, he's not like the Russo brothers, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I uh, go ahead. Oh, I want on the director front just to bring up a point. He was noticeably absent from the whole press tour; like, he didn't do any media for this. I wonder if no, he, was he directed the Shallows. Yeah, he did. Oh, he, he did directed oh. that too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Um, but you notice that he wasn't anywhere in the, in the press tour. That I wonder weird. if with the extensive reshoots, he was just maybe, maybe someone else came in to do that. Like he's not anywhere to be found with any of this. So I thought Could that was be. weird. But yeah, anyways, that that is strange because he did do press on some of those the other movies that we talked about. Because he did press for Jungle Book for sure, right? Or Jungle Cruise? Sorry, not Jungle Book. Jungle Cruise. As far um, as I remember, yeah. But he was like, no one talked about the directing. No one, he wasn't anywhere. He wasn't allowed to speak. Like it was just, it just yeah. felt odd. But that anyways. is kind of weird. What did you, uh, what did you think of the movie, Rob? 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I appreciate that they went for it. Um, like it feels big. I think I heard somewhere quoted they spent two hundred million on this, and you know, to its credit, it is epic. And I think it's also worth seeing on the big screen for all the reasons kind of Kofi saying. Um, I also find it. I was surprised by some of the unexpected things in the movie that were not in the marketing. Um, in a marketing campaign that was otherwise very hit or miss and, and more miss than hit, I would say. But uh, some of the things that, that kind of did work, um, despite those kind of tropes we've seen retreaded and, and, you know, Kofi quoted an Iron Man one, but there's a bunch like that. There's a lot of familiarity in some of those things. But I, I think, you know, DJ playing Black Adam, I think he really does embody the physicality of the character. Obviously, he's he's always hyped up this character for the last decade plus as being someone who's ruthless and unstoppable. And you get that. And I also think the visual effects and cinematography, like Kofi said, also way better than I expected after seeing some of the first like the first trailers I thought were genuinely bad. And even like the slow motion effects, that kind of very 300 style, like when he's analyzing the situation and all the explosions and armaments are moving in slow-mo, that actually kind of worked well. And there was one weird like needle drop for the music in one of those scenes, but otherwise like visually it kind of worked. And, and the action across the board, especially with the GSA getting involved, really worked. But whether it's Black Adam just like crushing humans or the, the other battles, um, those were a lot better than I expected. And I also kind of really like just the, the – to counter one of the things Kofi said, I, I kind of like the kind of the, the fish out of water elements for Black Adam. Like he's very silent and observant, and then and his communication is very limited, and his reactions are very stern and limited. But I like how he just that he embodies that too. Like the way he like passes through a wall, he'll just float through the wall, and I, I yeah. like that they embrace that. It's like you're playing the injustice game or doing all the things you expect Superman to do. Like he just why would he walk? He would just float. And why would you go through a door when you just pass through anything in your way? You know what I mean? That's very Black Adam. And I like how they visually represented that and, and held true to that throughout most of the film. Um, I also – I like that they you know, put in the work and, and, and brought in the DCU connections. Of course, we'll talk about the, the big character at the end. But also that the way they introduced like or, or connected to Task Force X um, – and, and James Gunn's now wife um, from Peacemaker and, and, and yep. the Suicide Squad. That was cool too. Um, I, I know it was a lot of love for Dr. Fate. And I think Pierce Brosnan was a pretty inspired choice for that. I, I enjoyed that too. And, and the visuals were really cool. They went for that too. But uh, I also agree with Kofi. I think, I think Hawkman, it, to me, stole the show. I think Aldous Hodge playing this kind of like noble-esque leader or, or someone who presents themselves as his noble leader. But – He's also like a fearless brawler. Like the way he went head to head with Black Adam over and over again, you're like, oh my God, like I'm surprised you survived all of this. But it, it, it was really, really cool. On the flip side, though, um, well, let me stick to the positives first, I guess. I, I guess. So, so, like, I, I quite like the, uh, what's, what's the actress who plays Cyclone? Quintessa? Uh, Quintessa yeah. Sisquindal, I think is her name, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, I think, yeah. I, I, I thought her costume looked terrible. It was absurd. But the VFX, when she's, performing the powers like they put in the work again that's the vfx money and the extensive reshoots like you know paying off so that was the opposite i thought that her costume was okay but like i thought the vfx concept i thought it looked good but the concept was ridiculously stupid because she's just like standing perfectly it was like some weird anime shit like where she's just like perfectly still like it's looking at everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the way yeah. they shot it. But like the way yeah. they do the visual colors with their costume, like doing the actual cycling around her so she can affect the environment around her to launch objects, that kind of worked for me. But whereas it's weird in contrast to Adam Smasher, who looks like, you know, goofy CGI when he's big. And I'll say Adam Smasher is probably the weakest element of the crew. Um, you know, that being said, it was smart to cast 
Noah Centennial because he's he's very likable. I think by the end he kind of earns a spot. You know what I mean? But um, I also like the flashbacks. The way they kind of told the story, the flashbacks end up being a lot better uh, than I expected. Um, same with all the VFX and outdoor shots. They were a lot better than the shite trailers would would suggest. But um, on the flip side, like the I think the biggest, the single biggest misfire is the kid. Um, uh, yeah. uh, Amon. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's cringe. I think he's a very poor actor. Um, I think there's a reason they hit him from everything else. I understand they want like sort of like Shazam. You have to have that kid element to put the for kids to relate to and pull through. But I think it was a huge, huge missed opportunity on, on that front. And even the intro when he's narrating the beginning, it hurts just from the, the first step into the film. It hurts that too. But um, and, and the lore stuff, like the inner gang villain crew faction, that was just terrible. Their their bases and vehicles were goofy and dumb. I think their CGI GI Joe esque vehicles were so dumb. I think that really hurt the trailers. And How are you going to show the X-Men of it all, baby? No, I think yeah. it's I think it's ridiculous. But that's a good point, too. The whole <laughs> X-Mansion intro, the X-Jet coming out of the fucking basketball field. Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's <like laughs> different. Jesus Christ. Eternium, that stupid MacGuffin, uh, you know, it doesn't really hurt Black Adam, but they don't really follow up on that. They just drop No, they just drop that. They just drop that. Just I wasn't trying to be that. That uh, whole it, sequence that you like Hitchcock foreshadow, like, oh shit, this thing can hurt him. And yeah. then, then nothing. Like, yeah. like, then the rock yeah. went and drank some of his own tequila one day and was like, that doesn't keep me hard. We're not having him get hurt. That's not it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like, sure thing, DJ. To go back to our poor kid Amon, like the, the whole like third act final battle, the whole village people versus the demon army thing was too cringe. And uh, you couple that with the whole lifeless city block where half the movie seems to take place. And I don't know how many people died. Who knows? Like who's going to rebuild this shit? Is there even a government or a police force? Like I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, I hope you already mentioned it. But the, the speech and accent of our of our <laughs> protagonist, uh, I don't really understand how he speaks and understands perfect English given the like the, how the story is told. But whatever. Yeah. Um, the GSA characters were good. Um, but I think this film and, and well, obviously the franchise so far has completely failed to explain them and their, and their purpose. And that also ties into Amanda Waller's weird, like movie to movie plot use. I don't really understand if she's working with heroes or villains or why. Well, time has moved on and she's learned from her suicide squad attempts two or 1.5. I don't know what you want to count it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Now she's working with heroes cause she, you know, she got exposed. It's I all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's watchable. It's, it's, it, it did it. It did enough given the mess they're trying to clean up. So um, what do you think, I, Ben? I will just before you move on now, before I lose, because yeah. Rob mentioned it and I forgot to say it, but, um, one thing I think I said was, yeah, the conduct of it all, I wish – I think they got scared of going like too political or sociopolitical. But sure. that was actually interesting and Black Adam as a representative of this being one of the – I think they should have le- like leaned into the Middle Eastern of it all a little bit more with Doc because that was an interesting resolution to me where they're just like, well, he's our hero. And yeah, he's not going to operate like you want because he's fucking our hero. Yeah, I wish they had played that up more and made like the people in the I didn't need the city block of it all. But like the people behind him being like a thing. That's true. And they made a good point of saying the GSA, like, why the hell are you here when we were suffering in tyranny? Where were you guys? And now we have a hero. Now you're here. And that was actually a good part of the movie that they kind of quickly dropped in the second act. But um, I agree. And they were just like, Eternium, we're out. Yeah, I think that I, I sort of agree. It's like. So I I largely agree with everything you guys are saying. I after seeing the movie, I tweeted that I thought it was going to be a hit with audiences. 
And it was going to be one of these things that kind of divides critics and and the people that see it because it's just a fun movie. And I think describing it as like a 2000s era superhero movie is really a good way of of framing it um, the way that Kofi had sort of set it up because, I mean, it it is super clunky and there's like these weird sort of ideas of, oh, well, he has to connect with this kid because, you know, we want, we need there to be sort of like a heart to this film. And so the kid is going to be the heart. And, you know, Hawkman is going to be kind of the, like, sort of the antagonist, the heroic antagonist to these anti, this anti-hero that we have. And the kid's going to sort of expose that this guy's actually got a heart of gold. And it's very, like, contrived isn't necessarily the right word, but it's it's very structured, right? And that's the way a lot of those old superhero movies were. They didn't take... Well, it's brought to you by studio notes. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Exactly. It's like, well, if this guy's going to... You know, we got this charismatic guy, The Rock, and, you know, we want this character to be sympathetic. So if he's just punching guys across the city, how are we going to make... You know, how are we going to make the audience know that he's a good guy? And it's like, oh, well, we'll team him up with this kid. And he puts... He sort of puts up with this kid. And then he's like saving the kid. And he's inspiring the kid to be a hero. And so that's how we know that he's got a he's got a good heart. And we're going to have the kid keep saying that until he believes it himself and and shows it through his actions and stuff. So that stuff is was I mean genuinely I would say bad. Um and I'm a little bit concerned that you know this kid comes back in in Black Adam 2 and they're going to go cuz he's that character is Black Adam Jr. in the comics, right? He's like Osiris or whatever, I think. Yes. Simon Tomas. So like this kid is, you know, in very superhero movie, you know, fashion. They've put a character in here that they could potentially build off of in the future. Um, the comic fans should should you recast. Know, yeah, but it's like really hard. And I, I don't, you know, to imagine that guy becoming a, you know, a superhero character that we're all going to actually you know, kind of get behind and stuff. I, I don't think the kid is necessarily a bad actor or anything. I think he's, you know, he's doing his best, but that character is just Shout out to Bodhi Sabongi. He uh, came on Comic Book Nation, good friend of the show. Yeah. Shout out. We hope you get that Osiris rule. That Osiris rule. <laughs> yeah. Forget everything we're saying here. Oh. Um, but, I mean, he, like, you know, I, I don't know if they were doing, like, weird, like, voice dubbing and stuff with him, but... When he's standing up at the end of the movie and he's, you know, he's throwing up the the triangle or whatever and and inspiring the crowd, like it sounds like really bad ADR, um, where it does not sound like he is in a busy marketplace that has just been destroyed and he's trying to inspire people. It sounds like he's in a, you know, in a studio somewhere re-recording his lines because no one could could hear what he was saying or something. And I, I think that all really stood out especially because of kind of the weird accents that I think they were, they were kind of doing with, with some of these characters. Um, but you know, like I, uh, in general though, you know, if you kind of remove some of that, that goofy superhero, um, studio note stuff, I di- I really enjoyed watching, you know, black Adam and, and Hawkman go at it. I enjoyed watching him and Sabak and kind of the way that Hawkman, you know, is, is using, you know, the helmet at the end and in the tricking Sabak and like I, that stuff was straight out of the comic book. And I really, really like loved a lot of that stuff. Um, so for a lot of different, you know, reasons, I actually like really did enjoy the movie, but I also can understand why, you know, the critic community, Kofi and I've talked about this before and Rob's, you know, seen it. It's like, 
you know, the LA crowd, the New York crowd, they're going to come out of the theater. They're going to start talking. They're going to start comparing notes, not because they're, you know, not because they're bad people or they're, they're trying to kind of like convolute their reviews or anything, but it's just the way it is. It's like they come out, they're being asked by PR what they think. And it's easy to kind of, I think get sucked into being like, there's a lot of goofy shit in this movie. And as a result, it's, it's not a very good movie, but I think it is a like a massively entertaining movie. Um, and and a good stepping stone for them to do more with with Black Adam as a character, and also some of the DCU stuff that they try and set up here. For yeah. as as goofy as some of it is, um, like you know, I mean, I definitely like had that Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen moment when the chick from Peacemaker showed up, you know, and that they were starting to kind of tether some of these things together. I appreciated that enough just because I really love Peacemaker, so I didn't hate that stuff. Um, in general, in general, I thought it was fun. And and by the time he sort of becomes Black Adam by the end of the movie, and he is this sort of heroic, but also still going to do it his way type character. Like, I loved the scene of him sitting on the throne, you know, and you get the iconic comic book shot and it's been in all the trailers. And it's like when people think of Black Adam, they always think of him sitting on that, you know, that throne with like his legs slung over it and you know, they say like, how does it feel? And he goes wrong. And then he just like blows it up. Like, I thought that was cool. Like it, it was a good kind of way to sort of like, that's the kind of thing I feel like the rocks black Adam would do, (laughs) whether, you know, whether that's comic book accurate or not, I don't know, but it's like, that's a character I am more excited to see in like a sequel or pop up in other, in other DCU stuff or DCU stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I dug it. I thought the villain was terrible, but that was also kind of a, that was also sort of a 2000 superhero type thing. It's like, you know, there's this friend and he's going to get, you know, he has this ulterior motive and then he's going to become this like big CGI monster by the end. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, in, in general, I dug it. I think in the, you know, up until last week, given the pre DC era that we'll talk about soon, I think it was good enough for that, uh, yeah. given how many like misfires there have been. We can talk about lack of vision, lack of planning, all these problems endlessly. So having someone like The Rock come in who can like, but even The Rock ha- had an upwards battle. Can we just we're, we're talking about spoilers now? Like the, the bringing in Superman, like The Rock made that happen, right? Yeah. Um, it was kind of last minute in the production. There were a series of reshoots and reshoots and reshoots, and uh, Cavill was shooting The Witcher or doing as they were trying to make that happen and stuff. Um, but even The Rock had an upwards battle against, at the time, Warner Brothers' leadership in making that cameo happen, which is so interesting because you think of all the people in the business, The Rock could do anything. And I thought this movie happened the way it did, and they got the money they did because of The Rock. So it's so funny that like it all comes together at a time when he did make that happen. It coincided yeah. with the leadership change. But I do think in this new era, which we can talk about now, under the leadership of... Uh, we can say James Gunn and Peter Safran, his producing partner, who's been, uh, you know, he's behind the Conjuring universe. He's done a bunch of Warner Brothers films. He's a producer of the Shazam films and the Aquaman films and the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker. So it's a good fit. Um, I think in this era going forward, a Black Adam coming out that costs $200 million and gets 5.5 out of 10 reviews, whatever, probably doesn't happen. Yeah. Right? It's so interesting. So I'm very curious what Black Adam 2 can be uh, with a more controlled budget or uh, maybe a different quality control filter and a larger franchise vision, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that's a good point though, because, you know, Black Adam was kind of existed sort of in this, this nebulous period between 
sort of the Snyder verse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the reaction to the Snyderverse was kind of, okay, we're, we're not going to do the Snyderverse thing. We're going to kind of give all these characters their own, their own pathways and their own, you know, like we have a Joker movie that has nothing to do with anything. We have a Batman movie that is kind of rebooting that character. None of the, we have Flash, which we're probably going to use as a way to, you know, actually explain why all these things are now being different and, and not connected anymore. And then, you you know, you bring in James Gunn and he's kind of like, all right, I'm going to pull back a lot of the Snyderverse stuff and kind of do a lot of my own my own thing. And we're going to do a shared universe I mean, for the most part, it feels like so. But, but not just it's, that. It's funny because one of the I think was an issue on top of lack of leadership, right? Everyone could point towards leadership and the layers of leadership issues, of yeah. course. But one of the weird things I always thought about the, the DCEU as it was growing is that they had like four or five different production companies doing their own yeah. thing. And each was his own universe. He had Abrams doing his own thing, Berlanti doing his own thing, Seven Bucks Productions was doing Shazam Black Adam universe. You had the remnants of the Snyderverse, uh, the Aquaman, J- uh, James Wan stuff going on. It, it, it's it was all, and none of those things were connecting. And of course, you add in now the Todd Phillips of it all and the Matt Reeves universe. And these are separate universes on top of that. And it's yeah. like, well, what are they doing? There's no plan, right? It doesn't make any sense. And then out of the the person that I thought least would give a shit about connecting at all would be the guy who, who made Shazam and had that weird ass Superman cameo at the end. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was black Adam that connected, brought back, you know, Snyder versus Superman, man of steel with that costume with the old score beyond, beyond you know, bringing it way back uh, to OG Superman. And then also mixing in HBO max task force X stuff. It's like, wow, that's, that to me was surprising and kind of exciting that, the rock and seven bucks were able to pull that off. I think that was them this yeah. to the fans and seeing the cards on the table or, or knowing that the change is coming. And, and, and who knows? I am curious. Well, obviously James Gunn is involved because they, his wife they, had in the movie. Rem- they had to remind him that the hierarchy of power in the DC yeah, right. hasn't <laughs> Take a shot. Yeah. 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 No, it's that's true. It. That's it. But yeah, so so like, you know, that I th- I think that's maybe that is the first step of the James Gunn leadership intro is is getting Jennifer Holland in there and connecting it to the Suicide Squad and and, and Peacemaker. But um that yeah. alone has to be kind of excited more than this film itself, to be honest. So yeah, um, well, they, there were some weird ass cameos in this film, though. Can we talk about that for a second? Sure. Like, there were a ton of. So they have all the stuff with, you know, with, um, like, with the Justice League and everything, right? The kid is a big fan of of the Justice League, and so he has all these posters up and and everything. Then there's some DCU cameos. You know, we get we get him, you know, Waller back and and things like that. But but then we have like Henry Winkler yes. is like like that was so, that awesome. was so distracting like as the original Adam um, yeah yeah like man some of that stuff was like I just don't even I I I honestly don't even know how that happens like Jaimon Hansu's back that makes sense Amanda Waller's back you know we have just like you said Jennifer Holland's in there Henry Cavill shows up in this big you know exciting thing at the end and then there's like fucking Henry Winkler who's just thrown in on a like cell phone cameo. Um, Probably shot just, on a cell phone from home. Last yeah. Minute, you know? I just like, I don't like, I just, I can't even begin to like imagine how that even happened. Um, it, it's just so random, but that was a weird one. They, they have so to pay that was off. Catching up on Barry. One like while <laughs> yeah. they were filming. Well, and yeah. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Shit. Really good. Yeah. No, there's got to be something. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's got to be something with a JSA at least in the plans. For sure. Yeah. Like, 
yeah. some kind of JSA movie about the old squad. Yeah, I would love, yeah, I mean, I and that wouldn't be bad. That actually, you know what? That might be the one I would want to see James Gunn do, like a kind of funny but sad, just like a comedy about, yeah, about yeah, trying to pass it to the new generation and like who they were and like you know them and like kind of like how it'd be like a dual thing, kind of like how you know they were running around in an age where obviously like Alan Scott being gay wasn't like out and like yeah all the other yeah. more complicated things that they were doing they weren't aware of but you know them trying to help a new generation who's all fucked up and emo and like you know not doing heroing really well it'd be yeah. like kind of a good lead into a kingdom come thing or something seeing uh Henry Wiggler in the original um Adam outfit would be pretty hilarious though. The thing with like the cape and the open uh like he's got like the open V-neck kind of outfit and like naked legs and stuff. That old uh it's gotta be it's gotta throw some leather in there. You gotta get that yeah. Fonzie. Got that Fonzie drip. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Uh, DH him a bit. Look yeah. good. Yeah, that'd be funny though. But yeah, no, I mean I would I would watch that. I'd watch like a like an old dog's JSA JSA movie I would watch that um okay well yeah so Cavill's back and that like blasted him straight out of the Witcher season five six seven all these uh these seasons that he had planned to uh to be part of um but I mean I'm obviously excited like I really love the the Cavill Superman even though like you know yeah he had plans to do Witcher until that Superman suit was back yeah (laughs) He said, because like, I know everybody's been talking about it, but I mean, he flat out said he would do, you know, he was contracted for like seven seasons for The Witcher, right? Well, he, he, he no, he, he intentionally took a, a short term contract for season three. Um, okay. Kind of maybe anticipating part of this, but also like the shooting schedule is super intense. They were shooting like season three, like seven months or some insanity out in Budapest. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, it was causing issues because he's also got other stuff going on. He's got that Argyle film with Matthew Vaughn. He's doing that Guy Ritchie film. Like he's got a lot of yeah. other stuff going on too. So, um, hey, the movies are calling him back. It's time. The Cavill supremacy is back on. But the real thing, though, the, on top of the you know the, the scheduling and his career blowing up right now. But you know, I know the Holmes Two is coming out right now, so he's talking about it a lot in press. Um, yeah, and I have some quotes I can share with you after what he told us. But the thing that's well documented in interviews in the last two three years with The Witcher is that he seems, if you read the tea leaves, that he's butting heads with the creative team. The showrunners and writers don't seem to care very much about honoring the source material of the books. And mm. for Cavill, that is absolutely paramount. Yeah. And there are conflicting quotes between those two factions over and over and over and over again. So I think that that's the big thing of it all. It's not the Witcher he wants necessarily, coupled with the intensity of it all. And now the timing with Superman coming back. So, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, Netflix. That kind of sucks for them, huh? Yeah. It's pretty I wild. mean, they got one of the Hemsworths. The one that Miley didn't want, like, yeah, that's like, that's pretty good. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the I mean, he's not ball. the yeah, he's not the like the least well known Hemsworth, right? That's the guy from Westworld. Well, I mean, no, I mean, Lucas is working more than him now. I don't know, man. Hunger Games was a long time ago. We know Luke from Westworld. I don't know Liam anymore. Who's that guy? What's he been at? Yeah, remember Hunger yeah. Games. Um, yeah, not even Katniss uh, ended up with him, bro. Like it's 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 <laughs> just it's been, <laughs> nah, man, yeah. nowhere. 
I mean, I he's a Hemsworth, so he's winning. Like, you know, he's a Hemsworth. Yeah, that's he true. just has to, like, walk down an alleyway of a club, and he can <laughs> probably find himself some, some you know, soothing relief. But, yeah. uh, like, he's doing all right. But, uh, no, I mean, it's going to be weird. Um, yeah. Just Don Cheadle. It. Don Cheadle still has the all-time best line. I mean, they went from light-skinned to dark-skinned black guy in, in Iron Man, and... Don Cheadle just said, I'm here, get over it. And we all did. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's true. The uh so there was a seven. I was I was kind of mixing up my my cards here a little bit. So there was a seven-year plan that the showrunner has for The Witcher. And Cavill had said that he would stick around for the seven year totally. yeah. if the story was good. So that was what that was the comment that people have been kind of reflecting back on now and saying, well, what you know, what went wrong here? But um I mean, the caveat to that is, and I think it was, it was actually Screen Rant that he was talking to with that quote, right? When he was talking about. No! I, I, uh, we had, he asked it to us, but I'm pretty sure he said that everywhere, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it certainly sort of suggests like if he, if he was in that quote saying like, as long as we keep, keep telling good stories and, you know, behind the scenes, maybe he doesn't feel like the direction of the show is going to be telling those good stories. It makes sense for him to, him to peace out. But but yeah, I mean, I, I, I really, you know, sincerely like was really pretty crushed when the Snyderverse fell apart, mainly because of how much I loved Cavill's Superman. And, you know, it's no, it's no uh, secret that I'm, I'm a huge Superman fan and was really looking forward to like a proper Man of Steel sequel at some point. And um, I'm excited that it sounds like we may actually get that now. I'm curious what, uh, what villains you guys would want to see in a, in a Man of Steel sequel. I said I want like a you big screen triple A Brainiac. Yeah. yeah I think that would be just because there's so much cool stuff you could do with like Brainiac um, from a, you know, from a visual standpoint, as well as just the way that he kind of like gets in people's fucking heads and manipulates shit. And I, I just think there's a lot that you could do. Uh, you could do with that character, but, but I'm curious if you guys have things you want to see. <sighs> Well, I mean, we did a lot, and uh, I mean, we've done Lex Luthor, Zod, Doomsday, all in like a couple minutes. <laughs> in one movie, basically. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's a lot of Superman heavy hitters. Um, it depends, like, what uh, I know they're doing. Like, I mean, the rumors are like Dawn of Hope is like a name and stuff, yeah. um, but. Like that's the general gist that he's already Cowell and company already selling as the inspirational Superman. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I don't know what story to do with that. Like, oh man, like there's a whole. I mean, then if they do Dawn of Hope, that's kind of connection. Do you connect to keep up with the Dawn? Because one of the best things about Superman the animated series is the Doomsday, or not the Doomsday, the Dark Side invasion story. Yeah. Is still like one of the best kind of stories. I don't know if you could do some smaller version of that and re- yeah. have Superman kind of reject, which could be, I mean, in fitting with a Snyderverse, but also for all the Snyderverse haters, just, you know, just a good send off <laughs> is him ultimately rejecting that fate yeah. that we saw like tease the whole time. And because yeah. he is Superman, he never, no matter like what happens, he doesn't become dark. Yeah. And and like all twisted up, like he, he stays good and you know, he defends the planet and you know, that'd be a big good Superman story. So I don't know. I don't know if you do something like that and just tie up all the Snyderverse stuff kind of once and for all and 
in a way that because Henry Cavill would be maybe the guy who who would have the power to kind of help push that forward. Yeah. Even if Snyder comes back and you know does it just like yeah, finish the Dark Side thing, finish the Justice League thing, take a different direction than Snyder's like you know eight film Dune shit that he was going to do with all the yeah. loopbacks and triple loopbacks on time. Yeah. Figure out all that and just have it like all erased because Superman makes a different choice because you know he became friends with Batman and everybody and they brought him back to yeah. life and now he because of that experience he doesn't become evil because he's a different Superman. Yeah. Um and yeah, finish that all off. So that would, would be, be my way. It would and, be cool to like get the dark side like to kind of I I actually do like that idea of kind of wrapping up the Snyderverse in a way, getting that dark side, even if it's in like a future Justice League movie or something, but but maybe, you know, removing and Snyderverse, you know, like loyalists will probably be frustrated by that. But I'd rather get one Justice League movie, another Justice League movie that kind of ties all that stuff up and removes maybe, you know, this chapter where Superman's bad and just like you're saying the, you know, post-apocalyptic stuff. And it's just, you know, Darkseid figures out where they are. He comes through a portal. He comes through a boom tube and like brings his army and the Justice League has to fight them off. And, you know, they defeat Darkseid and push him back and whatever. That I still think would be like a pretty cool Justice League sequel um, that they could set up maybe, you know, with a Man of Steel 2 or something. But they always, I mean, I think that like we're past that. Like we've... We've started cramming these fuckers into everything. So, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. even if it's a Superman story, like, you're in a universe where he, anything that he's going to be facing, like, it's kind of hard. At this point, it's kind of hard to do a Superman solo film, right? Right. Like, yeah. Unless he you're goes. Saying, to like, a, why wouldn't Black Adam show up in that if he can just fly exactly. the world and the Flash yeah, exactly. is over? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, yeah. Why, and so, like, that's kind of a thing. You almost have to make it an event film, but unless it's something like Superman goes, unless you want to do something like a war world type deal. That's what I was trying to allude to earlier. Yeah. I don't know how crazy you want to get with like a fantastical Superman story and take it off of earth. Cause nobody's yeah. really ever done that, but there are things you could do like war world, like, you know, yeah. Who is Superman? You know, who is, those are always interesting stories too. Right. Yeah. Like who is Superman when he ends up in some fucked up place like war world or on a planet? I would even watch the kind of Riddick of it all, like where Superman's ended up in weird, like red sun planets where he's had to learn how to survive and become like Mad Max (laughs) and do like crazy shit and get himself and like still like befriend some weird wild animal because he's still Superman and like still makes it. I think they did an animated series episode about that. I was about to say, this sounds like something that like the animated series would definitely do. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. But those stories cool. are always cool too. So I don't know. I don't know where those fuckers like uh like in Man of Steel when like when everybody but Zod got sucked into the Phantom Zone. Did did they die? I don't think it's clear, right? Yeah. No. Like star or uh, you know, like uh, the captain, and I hope not because I would like uh, what's her name back. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's like, what. It, yeah, that's what I was just wondering because yeah. it was like Ursa or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. I want her Aura. Aura, I think they changed her name to. Oh no, yeah, Fe- yeah. Feora, Feora, Feora. That's right. That's yeah. what. The, yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah, no, I would want her back absolutely. Yeah, Fuck yeah, because like, I mean, she was like that act. Like the actress was great. That character was badass. 
Like that would be a cool kickoff to like Man of Steel, or maybe if you're going to like tie it into Brainiac or something, it's like, you know, Brainiac was in the Phantom Zone or it was like Kryptonian technology that they developed in the Phantom Zone while they were over there as a response to being stuck in there. That would kind of like maybe pull it together and allow you to like bring back some of those. Oh, cool I got it. See, Kal-El feels bad. And so he goes to Star Labs and one of their plucky young, you know, people who we'll introduce later, like will send <laughs> a beacon into the Phantom Zone, which to see because he wants to, you know, maybe see if they can find those people or free some prisoners who are in there. But that beacon, there's a secret conqueror hiding in the Phantom Zone named Brainiac, yeah. and he sucks them all in there. And then it's like <laughs> oh, Superman, okay. Phantom Zone of Mania, you know, like yeah, you know, get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you, uh, you guys are like on the fifth movie in this franchise already. <laughs> I um, like it. Uh, look, <sighs> Bizarro is the answer. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I, I mean, that would be funny as shit, though, to see like Cavill have to play like, <laughs> like so a twisted hey, version. Such a weird spot because, like, even though we've had one, like, think of it, like one actual Cavill Superman solo film, one, yeah, but we burned through all like the legends already. Like, do we want to see Jesse Eisenberg's Lex, Lex Luthor back? I certainly fucking don't. I, I don't like that character. Uh, yeah. I know, do. I actually like, do. And Doomsday it's- was. Burn and Dark Side. I, I don't know how much they want to touch that whole Justice League mess. Like, and and I, I almost think what they what Cavill wants to do is like a, a more simple, grounded. That's just starting the right foot. A very hopeful Superman on Earth. You know, everybody loves Superman on Earth story. So I, I don't think we're going to see him off world too much in the first movie, anyways. And it speaks to his quotes, like the, what he told us. The, the big one he wrote this week is when we interviewed him for Enola Holmes too. He said. Um, obviously, a very close connection to the character, blah blah blah. Um, and there's something extraordinarily special about him. Extraordinarily special about his capacity to give and love. I don't mean romantically. I mean his love for Earth and for the people who live there, and to make people feel powerful, to make people feel like Superman themselves. I have plenty of desires for this, of course, which will be discussed more in time. But the most important thing, which I will be aiming for, is for the audience to leave the cinema. And to feel like they can fly, to feel like they can protect, oh, yeah. and to yeah, feel like they want to give to everyone else. That would be my goal. So I think you're looking at a more traditional thing. And, but because we just looking through the character list we've already gone through, I mean, like maybe Brainiac is that. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like he can inspire through trying to combat all the the mind control elements you can play with in a story like that if they want to adapt it that way, right? So I, I, I don't know. But um, I do think it would be more earth grounded, this first one, anyways. Uh, blue suit, blue sky, Superman, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, um, yeah it, it's weird. But at the same time, you are stuck with all his baggage of what was to be what happens after JL1, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how they connect it all. They, they can't just start fresh. They also can't really go back in time and play it as like, this takes place between Man of Steel and BVS because the way it works timeline-wise, that doesn't work either. So I don't know. Maybe the Flash, the Flash answers this for us, but uh, – I, I'm curious, but I do think it'll be more simple to start. Um, yeah, I could see that though. I could see they them sort of being like, we need to get back to basics here a little bit. The IMDb, which you know, super reliable um, IMDb where everything is true, has uh, Feora returning in the Flash. Is that something that like that we knew? Oh. I know we were going to see um like alternate potential alternate versions of events that happened in previous dcu movies but uh, so i guess maybe that's what that is but 
which maybe has something to do with like where Supergirl is or something, maybe in one version of the... I think Michael Shannon's also listed, so maybe there is a scene like that. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be um, crazy. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, Anje Trow was the was the actress that played... Dude, she, uh, she's been in a lot of like... Dude, like she was German. in that movie, crazy movie, we Pandorum, like that crazy yeah. horror movie. Yeah. You were like the first to see back in the day. That was like her yeah. big breakout role. Yeah. Yeah, there's a she was a I remember I saw her on set for Seventh Son, that like horrendously oh. ridiculous off delayed movie that had Jaimon Hansu and uh God, who else was in that? Jeff Bridges was in it, and Ben Barnes was the lead, and Julianne Moore was in it. That had like a crazy cast, man, because like like Alicia Vikander was in that. Oh, yeah. Um man, there were a ton Kit Harrington was in it. That movie just like died on yeah, the Yeah, I forgot that existed. I didn't yeah. until you just said that. I didn't know what yeah, the hell you were talking about. She was like, she was one of the witches that was kind of like subservient to Juliana Moore's Mother Malkin in that movie. Um, yeah. And when we were going to interview her, she was actually really sick, and she was like, she was like throwing. Speaking of throwing up and and stuff like that, I think she had the flu, and she kind of just like came out of this trailer and. I mean, she still looked great and, you know, was super nice, but you could tell she was like the last fucking thing on this planet I want to be doing is talking to like seven sweaty nerds on this like movie that, um, you know, I don't even know if this is going to be any good, but. Uh, okay. Yeah. So to, just to go back to one point. Yeah. So the Warner Brothers official UK website listed Michael Shannon and uh, her in the flash. And then they since updated it to remove them both. But, uh, that, that's probably it though. Right. They, the flash resets it and it get man of steel's reset. And they just has a different ending. And then we did, we get no BBS in jail. Right. So yeah. sorry. Could you Ooh. say that? Again? Sorry. It's Siri. Um, yeah, that could be interesting. Um, for sure. Uh, okay. Anything else DCU related? I mean, I well, guess like, you know, there's been a shit ton like James Gunn and everything, but yeah. Like what happens next? Do we get, I mean, you can't just say you one cohesive universe because there are separate universes with Todd Phillips and Matt Reeves as Batman. What project do you want under gun? Go. Oh, man. Um, Wish list. Uh, Cyborg. Make it right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you really want? Uh, no, not a Cyborg solo film. I do think they have to fix this Justice League shit. They have to reestablish a core team um, and make sense of what is going on between JSA, JL. <laughs> I think they'll do the JL. I think they're going to do JLA for that, like or JL. Like, I think they'll do. Somebody threw it out there, and I think uh, our comic book nation fans are impeccable. But I think they'll do Justice League Unlimited or something like that. Yeah, Um, something that's popular but not been used on the movie front before. And after the Flash, they'll just kind of open it up to that larger. That's a good idea. Justice League is a worldwide thing, and there's like a different iterations because that's kind of suicide squatting and meaning like you can which they i don't know yeah. why they never leaned into that for suicide squad that you can keep that franchise and just like maybe one or two characters per movie but like essentially bring in whole new casts yeah and that's the same for justice league unlimited where you can it's such a big organization at that point that yeah you have these yeah. core people but like you can also tell sequels or spinoffs or smaller series about like one or two characters and like do all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think yeah, they're going to do that and yeah. like kind of relaunch it. 
I think that's essential. I think resetting the core hero status quo is essential. They have to, whatever comes out of the flash, there has to be, I think they have to reset what Justice League is, um, whatever variant it takes. But I also want to see them go back to some of these very easy wins we talked about. Like, the, where's the $60 million already death stroke? You know what I mean? Like, and bring back whoever survived the two Suicide Squad films and do a third one with some other director. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. make it fit. You know what I mean? Which we're starting to do now a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of a nice quasi reset if they can make it on whatever comes out of the flash. Um, they can have a vision for the main universe there. I still do want to see Justice League Dark. Um, that would be something that I think would be. Yeah, I mean, not to say Gunn needs to like direct it or or anything, but I still I still do want to see that um, that movie. A lot of and people it, want Scott Scott Derrickson to do it. Yeah, but Ooh. you know what? Ooh, no, fuck that. I think Mike Flanagan would be great for that. Mike Flanagan would be great for that. That would be a really interesting like evolution for he him. He's a TV show, man. You know, you know his. The way he writes. No, I would. I would rather see a Justice League Dark TV show than a movie. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, gotta get that I would monologue. rather. I would so. After seeing Sandman, I would rather so much. I mean, just the first season of getting to like having to track down each of those characters. Yeah. Oh my god, it would be amazing. Just like yeah, like poor, just like classic. Just keep it simple. Batman comes to the Zatanna. It's like this is some shit I can't handle. <laughs> you have to handle yeah. this. <laughs> And then she starts like going to get people. Yeah. The first episode is just her having to deal with Constantine bullshit. And then like <laughs> that and gets more complicated. Like they got to go track down the demon and somehow find dead man, you know, yeah. and that gets all crazy. And of course there's a big one where they have to go into the green and find swamp thing and do that whole shit. Like, yeah. yeah. And that like, would be Adam cool. Zanadu. Like that would be all of that. That first season, just getting them together would be, like and and just getting the gang together and then being like oh and at the end like and that would be some gun shit be like okay so what are we all together for and then be like yeah there's some insanely big fucked up threat and then be yeah. like well oh shit like season two <laughs> like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that would be dope um that's definitely one I want to see though for sure oh yeah I'm uh I'm curious what guns attachment now kind of means for the Flash like if we see future like reshoots or anything um, on there. I mean, I know they've brought Ezra back to do, uh, to do reshoots, you know, like a couple months ago, but I'm curious if like now we see any other stuff that they, they start wanting to tie into or, or reshoot. But um, I mean, that movie seems like the kind of thing he would dig based on everything that we know about it. So, you know, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. But, well, like, you know, a month or two before it comes out, we'll hear that William Jackson Harper has been cast in the flash. Yeah, yeah, I would dig that. Um, yeah, what? Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about this before we move on to Andor? I think that's it for now. Okay. Um. All right. Well, let's uh let's move on to to and to Andor. Who? Wait, actually, I do want to talk about this William Jackson Harper thing really quick. Who do you think he's playing in Ant Man? I think speculation. uh, No, as much as I want him to play Reed Richards, I don't think Marvel's. I mean, but then again, I don't know because I I don't know because like, are they going to lean in? Because this was my original theory, like way years ago. As soon as we found out who Jonathan that Jonathan Majors was playing Kang, I was like, so is Reed Richards going to be black? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, are we sticking with comics? Because if so, like. Reed Richards is going to have to be black, so like, yeah. 
And so, like, yeah, I mean, but there's also, like, the it's also the multiverse, so, like, you could be, yeah. like, there's variants, obviously. Totally. All you need to do yeah. is show those Yeah, I mean, we've seen a white Reed Richards, right? I mean, we know Reed Richards is white in certain universes, so, um, based yeah. on uh, And Dr. so, Strange. like, yeah, um, yeah, so I don't know. I've heard, you know, there's all these rumors that he's playing just the leader of like you, like a rebel alliance thing, like, you know, yeah. not a rebel alliance, but the people resisting Kang. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see. But, uh, I, yeah, yeah I hope think it's better I, than mid Somar <laughs> did for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I loved him in the, in the good place. I would Thanks. love to see yeah. him, uh, like I would love to see a Reed Richards played by, played by William Jackson Harper, but I don't know. I don't know. He's just like not the dude that Marvel casts for that role, in my opinion. Um, Marvel takes some risks and stuff, and but I just I think it's a bit it's a bit premature to say just because this is a black dude and Kang is black in this version that you know we found our Reed Richards or something. Um, but you know you never know. I mean, Marvel's secretive about some of these roles, and it's for good reason. And then other times they're secretive about these roles, and it turns out to be nothing. So who knows? But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he could, could, could totally do it, or certainly would be deserving of playing a Reed Richards in this universe, especially yeah. if Krasinski's coming back as some other version. I don't know yeah. how I feel about that either at this point. But yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, I don't think he's playing Reed Richards. I think he'd be, there'd be more rumors about who the supporting cast of that movie would be, right? Yeah. Um, although if, if any movie was going to do it, it would certainly be Peyton Reed's film because he almost made Fantastic Four with Kevin Feige years ago. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, but uh, good for him getting a role in this movie, though. Man, everyone's in this movie. Bill Murray, what's going on? Like, jeez, yeah, it's crazy, right? What did you guys think of that trailer? Just, I, I don't know. I'm dragging this out because I do want to talk Andor. But what did you guys think of the trailer? Uh, the Andor trailer. I don't know. I'll say this: like the VFX and the quantum. I think go Phils two one Phillies. Series up two one Phillies seven nothing. There we go, baby. All right. So anyway, um, I thought it was just, you know, I did like it. I will say, and this is becoming an increasingly thing I have to do. Like I did like it a lot better in 4k when I watched it on like a big 4k TV, but, um, it's still just Marvel formula phase four of some people standing in front of a massive, albeit pretty green screen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just having these shots and backgrounds, but, um, I did do a whole breakdown of this. And basically, what I said was, um, oh, man, I'm going to fall asleep on this one, aren't I? Damn it. Um, but uh, what I said was, there are enough intriguing things in this story that I do want to see. And it does have that kind of already appeal of being, you know, Marvel mystery kind of, is this theory right? Is that theory right kind of deal? So I think there's going to be a lot there, but I don't know how. I, I really don't know how entertaining the actual movie is going to be. And I weirdly feel like they've substituted this world for, I hope I'm wrong about this, that there's still plenty of actual like fun size thing, changing things in yeah, sequences. Yeah. And this, true. because this world is just kind of taking that budget, you know, the budgetary place of that. Right. Yeah. So you're in a tiny world, but do you still transform and go like, yeah. Small. Like, is that still a yeah, table? Yeah, I I don't know. I kind of uh, I feel the same way as you in a lot of ways. Like I'm so I I genuinely am kind of burned out on some of like 
you know, after Doctor Strange, and we've talked about this before, and I don't need to like beat a dead horse or anything like that, but these like giant sort of CGI worlds in the multiverse, and now we're sort of exploring another, you know, it's not the multiverse. I understand that it's the quantum realm, but it's still the same kind of thing where it's, it doesn't feel connected to reality to me. It feels like a cartoon. And I mean, the Ant Man films have always been a little bit cartoony. We had this conversation a while back that. I don't like these films very much and you guys do, which, you know, I like, I accept that maybe I'm in the minority on those, but this didn't you hate like fun. You hate Ant-Man. You hate project. X. Yeah, hate family. I just hate Yeah. I hate it all. But I, I mean, the trailer didn't do anything outside of the Kang stuff. Like the Kang stuff interests me because, you know, I know this is the next Thanos or whatever. There's going to be, there's going to be connective tissue here that I should care about. Jonathan majors is awesome. Like I have a lot of faith in that part of it, but man, I I really could care. Like, I, I'm I with you, man. Like, this is fuck yeah. you, Ben. Spinning rings, bitch. <laughs> yeah. The idea of the microverse was so exciting when we did the seven for the very first Ant Man before the multiverse yeah. CGI craziness. But now it's like, oh, it's just more of that. To be honest, this trailer to me was absolutely zero hype. Even though we saw like on paper, this is a lot of crazy huge things happening. But I'm like, eh. Yeah. I'll wait till I see it. But like you said, the only thing that has me hooked right now is Jonathan Majors, right? Yeah. King, that's it. So, and also, man, they got to stop recasting Cassie Lang. I like Catherine Newton, but still, they keep, they keep, they keep every movie. It's a different person playing her. So, yeah, um, she, it, I mean, she has, like, have there been three actresses now that play her? Yes. And, and okay. in Avengers, yeah. which you keep, in Endgame, they had different actress player uh, as the older. So, like, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that actress is doing okay now. Like, she would have been yeah. okay. They just yeah. got Yeah. When was that? Like, why did, I don't know why. Hang on a second. Sorry, 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 derail. No. Also potentially exciting. Like the rumor was that Corey Stahl is coming back as like Modoc or some crazy shit, right? So it's like if that's true, no, that's not a rumor. Evangeline Lilly fucked that up right in the beginning. I reported that. Like I spotted that right away. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry (laughs) to do this. But I like, see some yeah, wild geez. concept fan art of that. So I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a selling point for me. I just hope it's like Murphy and Robocop. That's all I want. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's it's definitely Corey Stahl that's returning as Modo. Oh, no, he's coming back as giant floating face, man. It's it's happening. <laughs> I didn't know. I like. I had heard that like Modoc was gonna, but I didn't know that it was like for sure gonna be Corey Stahl. That is the X factor of this film. So if they pull that off, she, I mean, she said that. She said, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, she said it was Corey Stahl is coming back as Modoc. No, no. She posted a, the first day they got the script. Evangeline Lilly like let fans. She tried to do her Marvel duty and was like. Hey everybody, Ant-Man three three like it's incredible. She put a picture of the script up, okay. and then she tagged a bunch of people who were in the movie. Okay, and Corey Stahl was one of them. Okay, and everybody immediately was okay. like, "Don't think you should have tagged him." Gotta <laughs> see how this factors in, like now. And so, yeah, like, I yeah, see. and I instantly jumped on that and was just like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to her. She's a nice lady, I'm sure, but like." Yeah, I mean it, it. It's gonna be like I think a big twist that how did that how does Kang know to target these people and, yeah. and for a trap is somebody tipped him off, right? Yeah, like somebody know. like Pym who because Pym technology could help him or do whatever. I don't know what the fuck he needs, yeah. but like or Janet Van Dyne if he's looking for her, like you know. So he's gonna be back and he'll be like you know King just like simped him out. <laughs> like and made him into Modoc, right? 
Well, yeah, it's just like some weird simp in the MCU. Yeah, um, so and I think it all starts to go back to like this is December of last year. I think it was the director first reported this, and they there was rumors that Jim Carrey may play Modoc or something. And then in in the Paul Rudd like draft for the third movie, like he's the one who wrote in Modoc, and then from there on they they said it's going to be Corey Stahl. That was the follow up. Okay, rumors, so I'm surprised they didn't get Patton Oswalt to to come oh, in. Oh, that could be the man. They canceled that fourth Patton Oswalt role that in the oh, MCU God. or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, okay. Well, okay. Let's, I do want to talk Andor. Um, so let's, let's, uh, let's hop over the year. We'll talk Andor for a few minutes and then we'll, we'll wrap up, but, um, I'm caught up. You guys are now ahead of me though, because you've had screener copies. So mm-hmm. I, I will say, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really digging Andor. Like I'm, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, between the filmmakers and writers and everything behind this, this series that it feels so different, but I get what you guys are saying now. I think I was when we had talked before, like Andor as a character was not my the most exciting thing to me. Um, you know, and I was not necessarily looking forward to this to see more Andor. I was looking forward because of how it looked and and you know, obviously the production team behind it. But I, I've really turned around on that. I mean, I I'm kind of excited like once this is over to watch Rogue One again, which, you know, we've all said is one of our favorite you know, Star Wars movies in the, in the sort of more recent era, at least. And like, I do think it'll hit differently for me with that character now in a way that, that I think this has really added something special to him and expanded the world in the exact way that I wanted the world expanded. Like there aren't Jedis. There's not a crap ton of weird aliens. It's just like human drama in outer space and, and sort of seeing these different sides of the empire and the rebellions forming. I thought, I thought it's great. I've really, really enjoyed it. So um, I am kind of bummed and this is sort of why we wanted to talk about it, that there aren't more people watching it. I feel like, you know, this, it's not necessarily up there in terms of like, you know, house of the dragon or something in terms of like what it's delivering every week. But I feel like every week it's building but, good character drama and there's cool stuff happening. But like, that's a thing. And I just literally published this like hours before I came on here, which was an article that you should Google is called, um, star, uh, and or is Star Wars Prestige TV and Disney needs to treat it that way. Yeah. And it's basically just explaining like, okay, like here's the situation because everybody started misreporting the stats for this show and then went back and had to revise it. And yeah. basically Andor is doing, if you look at the metrics, it's doing what like Prestige TV does. Like on average, Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon are, are outliers in terms of being that kind of critical appointment TV that also has that massive yeah, viewership. Shows, sure. yeah. yeah, but HBO has so many. I mean, HBO, AMC are built on shows that took a while to bubble, but are those prestige shows that even if they don't win awards, everybody talks about as like the best show on TV and like, what are they doing in the level of like, you know, skill they're, they're, they're getting is so good. And now star Wars has done that. Like yeah. star Wars, like, I mean, just, just it, like Andor's doing things that like we have never seen before. Like the three, like the three episode arcs, right? Like that's yeah. some anime shit that they've brought into this, but like doing it in these three episode arcs is kind of like amazing too. Um, and so like, we're getting four kind of distinct beginning to end stories within the story. And I can tell you, as these episodes now go into me and Rob have seen episode nine, which comes out 
a few hours after recording this and people will have out as we probably hear this and episode 10 and just the way they're bringing all these characters together in surprising ways, all the storylines together. Um, It's pretty amazing stuff. Like, and even just like the big set pieces they do in each of these three episodes is that they build up to is, is just, it's excellent stuff. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just fucking nuts. And so this is like prestige TV. And I think Andor should be, put up against anything that like AMC classic AMC or HBO would put on a Sunday night to the point that I think that like Disney needs to go back. They need to stop all the stupid marketing they did for this. The first time where they're just like, Oh yeah, star Wars. Oh, we're having fun. Like, no, be like, this is a serious show. This shit's for adults. We're not going to have fucking space wizards and laser swords kids. Like this is about like, you want to learn how to reason like, you know, the dangers of creeping dangers of neo fascism. Why don't you watch this shit? Like, you know, be real about it and like have the cast and the crew able to open up and engage like on a serious note about things they're going to deal with and like why and like, you know, all that and treat it like a prestige show. I see like one of the big things I say is they need to move this shit to a different release strategy. Like if you're going to do a prestige show, this should be like on like Sunday, Friday, Saturday, prime time, just like put it on Disney plus like, you know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock Eastern. And at a time where everybody can like live watch it and still has the brain capacity to be awake and like process the deeper things that Tony Gilroy is doing. This is not like the, made for Twitter fucking let's, and I've seen this, even the the hardest, the most ardent fans of the show get on Twitter and are like, man, I love Andor so much. And I have so much to say. I just don't think it's fucking for here. Like, I don't want to feel like doing the work of like tweeting all this. And it's like, I just, but I wish like I could just sit down and talk with more people about it. And like, that's the kind of thing. And I think they need to just start it like a water cooler show Sunday night. Before HBO, just like, you know, 637 o'clock Eastern, put that shit out on Disney Plus and like get crowds going so that even the dumber people can have like follow along and have, you know, Star Wars Twitter explaining to them, oh, this is about, you know, prison. This episode's really about like the prison industrial system and like how it fucks people over and all that stuff. And like so that they can go to the water cooler and also sound smart talking about it. And that's how they need to treat this. And we're not doing this. They, they fucked up and keep treating it like it's everything else in their release block with all their kind of baloney sheet shows in front of those green screens. Which, <laughs> like, oh, we're going to like, we're like, yeah, like we're just like going to film the same green screens and oh, let's bring this person from the comics or this person from that animated show and or this yeah, fucking cute this little or this yeah. cute little puppet and like, yeah, that'll be the shit. Everybody's dick will get hard on Twitter for a week. Like, and <laughs> look at the like, cute baby animals. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, yeah, and so they're not doing that, and so it, you got to just change the way like you are marketing the show, how you release and distribute it, and like what you're trying to do with it. Be going for those fucking Emmys and like make a push. Try to get yeah. fucking Andor in there for some Emmys. Uh, yes, this is exactly what I said last time we talked about Andor, and actually, when, actually, when when Kofi and I were explaining to you, Ben, I described it as this is the first and to me only prestige and premium show Disney plus is offered and that's across all of star Wars and Marvel yeah. with the exception of national geographic, of course. Right. But th- this is for real. Their first quality show. It is the first show. that's actually 
like unequivocally, it, it's great. It's an excellent fucking show and you should be watching it. So everything Kofi says is absolutely true. And big props, I guess, to Kathleen Kennedy for allowing this to happen on like a, a longer show that's, you know, separated over nine, 10 weeks, 12 episodes, right? Um, and they're not doing the weekly bullshit where it's like, it's, it's, there's no Force Fridays or Mando Mondays to sell you the same goddamn toy you buy over and over and over again. There is, of course, a bunch of toys for this, but it's not the same shit where each episode is full of what Kofi said, the characters in the comics, in the games, in the lightsaber, and all the vehicles you've seen before, and all the member berries. And, uh, you know, they resist the whole Grogu of it all, and, and, and that speaks volumes. But, man, just, just to speak to the, the episode you just watched, Ben, which ties into the next two episodes that Kofi and I can't talk about yet. But I, I'm getting – from the whole prison system, like mega severance vibes. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Yeah, but I was talking. I was saying it was like Squid Game watching that. Like it's so. It's a just, little bit of that oh, for sure because they're competitive, right? The tables. So yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and just yeah. kind of the like you know disembodied voice that's kind of robotic that's sort of you know telling him what <laughs> to do. Me thought of the fucking uh, face off prison. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I love me some face off. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's funny. But, but man, like, just you can I cannot understate like how incredible it is that so many scenes carried by having two or three or five people in a room talking. And it's, this is every Mon Mothma scene. This is yeah. every Stellan Skarsgård scene. This is a, a whole bunch of new extras and characters we just met in the prison. Every scene they're in. The return of Andy Serkis and a real character. Fuck Snoke in the Skywalker saga. They, they're doing it so right. Uh, and, and and Ben, there's a lot more of that, like good stuff yeah, in the next cool. two episodes. So I am very excited and curious with the next two episodes. Yeah, Mon Mothma. Oh my God! Like, yeah, yeah. Right? He's killing it. Oh yeah. man! Like the, the, like the political intrigue of it all. That's your Game of Thrones shit right there. Without the goofiness, yeah, right? It's like for sure. Um, yeah, I was yeah. like uh, watching the the earlier episode, not the earlier ones, but you know, before the ones you guys have seen. We're like Mon Mothma is just in this like horrible marriage. <laughs> like it's just kind of like like this is stuff you never see in Star Wars. You never see like family dr- like it's kind of funny, I guess, or ironic to say you never see family drama because you know obviously you do see family drama <laughs> in that you know it's a Skywalker's. story about basically yeah. the entire Skywalker family is everywhere and everything, but. But it's like that. This drama with Mon Mothma is so compelling and feels so real. Like it feels like something that's, you know, happening next door as opposed to something that's happening in like a galaxy far, far away, which I think and, is sorely needed for sure. And there are more layers of that in the next two episodes. Okay, that's cool. Details, yeah. which is cool. But honestly, yeah. that that specific subplot there is doing for me what I think Game of Thrones or House of the Dragon has been failing to do the last three three episodes before that season wrapped up. Like, I think the last three episodes, and we'll talk about this next week or whenever we talk about it, House of the Dragon kind of lost me in the last few episodes, and I think Andor saved me, like, provided that, what, what House of the Dragon failed to. So to me, this is the goddamn show. Uh, yeah, no, the uh, Luthan reel in, like, yeah, Mon Motha, the whole idea of what was happening and for somebody to finally have, the, like, just the balls to find a way to, like, what was happening on Coruscant to make these people into like rebel leaders is it, I mean, this stuff is just nuts. Like, and just the way that it's show kind of like also just presents you with the idea, like, yeah, like nobody's clean in this. Like even the people who have to become rebels are get like really dirty. And, you yeah. know, these ideas grow in the next two episodes for sure. in some spectacular scenes, but uh, yeah, it, it's just, it's pretty crazy to show like, 
you know, how really extreme everybody is to do these things that they begin to do. And like, yeah, it's pretty nuts. It's yeah. such a shame that we're only getting one more season of 12 episodes after this. Cause this is the best first, like incredible, like Disney era star Wars. And it's, yeah. it's I hope so much the whole Gilroy family can do like spinoffs of this post post Cassian. But uh, yeah. man, like they, they got to lean into this shit. Cause the rest of that stuff, I don't even care about Like, honestly, like, like I, I, I like Mando, but man, it, it is this is on another level. And and you guys know my thoughts on Boba Fett. I think it's terrible, but like yeah, this is, um, yeah. it's I'm so happy they're finally, finally, finally doing this. So uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can't sing its praises enough. Yeah, it's quite. I cool. like the that, other stuff, but yeah, this is this is this is different for real. That uh, that I the I episode where it's kind of like intercutting between you know, the celestial event that's happening and the, the heist oh, yeah. is just like, set, like that was so cool. And some of the genuinely, some of the visuals I would say on the show are better than half of the stuff in the movie. Like with a guy climbing into the tie fighter and you see the horizon behind him and it's kind of like dusk, like some of that stuff is, uh, it's wild like, to think that's the same season as what we're seeing in the next three episodes. <laughs> it's so cool. Like the amount yeah. of production on, on location with great effects, like that whole celestial event, uh, yeah, and, and obviously the surrounding effects of this prison and stuff like that too. But um, that's what I'm saying. It's so wild. You legit get like you're gonna get pretty much 3.5 story arcs out of this. Yeah, 12 episodes, and like like you say, in 3.5 distinctly different kind of locales and like setups and structures that de- that are, are developed really well in like kind of these build up storylines that end in these like incredible action sequence, like set pieces. Um, yeah. yeah, it's nuts. Nobody, it's like, it's beyond star Wars. It's like, who's doing that kind of shit on TV period. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. And no, uh, I mean, we have kind of one deserty planet, but even that deserty planet isn't like super deserty. It's just, you know, it's kind of like a, I mean, Ferrix, like, like the first planet he's on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. But uh, it's not yeah, like, kind of, it's more like just a, I don't know. I mean, it's sand and stuff, planet. but it's not, it's it doesn't feel that sort of thing or industrial sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it doesn't feel like Mos Eisley though, right? Like no, it's just no, kind no. of like, you know, there's dirt on the ground as opposed to, you know, we're in a, people are having to like walk through deserts or. All I know is if Tim could spin and shoot, he'd probably be alive right now. <laughs> oh, true. Dodge nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so he tried right. a regular walk and he got popped. All right, right, well, that will do it for this week's episode. If you guys aren't watching Andor, um, check it out. I actually, I genuinely kind of plowed through a lot of it the last couple of weeks. So if you haven't started it yet, um, or you've, you know, you got on a couple episodes and got distracted with other stuff, I'd I'd highly encourage people to to kind of get on board. I think based on what these guys are telling me and just how much I've been enjoying the show the last, uh, as I sort of locked into place with it. You know, I think I think people are in for a real like a real treat by the time the, the season's over. So, um, you know, hop on board. We'll be talking more about that. We'll be back next week. We'll uh, depending on when we record, we'll either be doing Black Panther, um, Wakanda Forever, or we'll be doing a like a House of the Dragon and kind of Rings of Power and, and sort of TV recap, um, season finale recap. But it'll like I said, it'll kind of depend on when we when we see Black Panther. We may. Kofi and I are seeing it early, so when you know we'll see when Rob can can see it. But either way, we'll try and get a Black Panther episode out to you guys in a you know in, in relatively 
decent time frame. Not two weeks later, like we ended up here with Black Adam, but um, but yeah, that'll do it for this week's episode. Um, you know, we'll go through where you guys can follow us, Mr. Rob Keys. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I may lose my verification badge apparently if you don't want to say anything. No, me too. Uh, Fuck. Rob underscore Keys, K E Y E S. And you can follow our stuff on Collider, Screen Rant, and CBR. Either you guys going to pay $8 to keep your verification badge? I like, I, you know me, yeah, I paid $50 for a digital T Rex once, but even this is a hard pill for me to say. I would not myself because I think, you know, Twitter is just sinking, but, um, but for, for work purposes, I, it is my main communication tool yeah, for industry for sure. stuff. I might, but it would be like, you know, work expense sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll let somebody else, the company, do it. I'm not paying Elon like eight bucks for what? <laughs> I yeah. never needed it. I like to, you guys know me. I like to use Twitter. I, I know what Twitter is. And you know what? <laughs> Screw Elon. I'll give this one away because I'm half asleep anyway. So basically, Twitter is the ultimate kind of crowdsource uh, focus group tool if you know how to use it correctly. This is you true. can You can figure out what everybody's kind of thinking in a certain kind of graphable range of opinions and thoughts and, you know, responses and stuff. And you can deal from that very effectively if you know how to do it. So that's what that thing is. I don't need to like, if you're, and if you're, if you're getting the clout, I mean, good for you, but it also is so annoying. My God, people. Yeah. Oh, I, I've yeah. seen what happens when you get that Twitter clout. I don't need nobody making YouTube videos about me. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. please. Like, yeah. Yeah. 100% yeah every that. time everybody asks and people, some people get insulted. Like when somebody, my name gets brought up and somebody's like, or something slightly controversial. Somebody's like, wait, I don't even know who that is. I swoop yeah, in well, there quick and I post that Jacqueline Hygar gift a man is no one like yeah that's all you need to know about me i'm no one yeah a man I, is uh, no one. we've been good at, we've been good at like laying in the shadows a bit as we built these websites and uh and made made names for ourselves in the industry i guess but um all right where, yeah so where can people find you kofi um you can just find me at comic book nation find me it's out there on your favorite podcast platforms and on youtube and uh follow along on uh that show as well it's my more daytime this is like the dirty gertie girl i sleep with at night on podcast x but like my <laughs> yeah. day my day job and 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 you know regular regular wife are, are comic book nation so you can find me over there like more behaved but if you want to yeah. see me a little more dirty here, like a good martini, then uh, yeah, you can come to what is Podcast X. So <laughs> yeah, what maybe. kind of Kofi Outlaw are you looking for? Front of the building or back alley? What are you trying to do here? <laughs> so uh, yeah, depending on which version of me you're trying to go for, you can find me in those two places. Yep, you can follow me at Ben Kendrick, um, B-E-N-K-E-N-D-R-I-C-K on Twitter. Um, I'm over at Rise at 7. Check out what I'm doing over there. And that's uh, that's it. We will see you guys next week. We'll, uh, like I said, we'll see kind of where we land on, on Black Panther screening timing and everything. But, uh, but we will be back next week, and then uh, we'll be back the week after that. Have some good uh, House of Dragon, Rings of Power, Black Panther. We got some good stuff coming up. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you later. <laughs>